It's official. The rest of the NFL world is awaiting a decision from Aaron Rodgers before it can get on with its business. Plus, from Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson on the Packers offseason, the future of Aaron Rodgers and of the wide receiver position, particularly in Green Bay. We discuss all of it on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Okay, Derek Carr met with the New York Giants, and they're, they're very in. Not all in, but they're very in on Derek Carr. And Diana Rossini reported that there was a very personal um, conversation and presentation made to Derek Carr essentially making the case to him that he could be, you know, an all-time great if he wins in New York, which is actually, like, I know that we're going to think about what Devontae Adams said about playing with, you know, Hall of Famers and Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. You win in New York, you are a made man. Like, that is true. If you if you win with the Jets, there is just something special about that. Mark Sanchez is still like a semi-revered figure in New York because they went to some AFC championship games. Imagine if you just went to a Super Bowl and they could, with Derek Carr, they could go to a Super Bowl in New York if things break right for them. You, you get some good health. You have another good draft. Like they could really be that good. With Aaron Rodgers, they are absolutely Super Bowl good. But what is clear now is something that I had you know hinted at over the last couple of days what what Diana said was the Jets will be very satisfied with Derek Carr they want Derek Carr if the Packers are not going to give up Aaron Rodgers that, that is how this is all being couched Derek Carr is the consolation prize and what Diana is saying fits with what I've said on the show and what I have been saying for a couple of weeks now, and that is that the Jets are, are not just posturing with this car stuff. They would truly be happy, or at least some decision makers in that organization would be happy with Derek Carr and believe he is a good option, certainly an upgrade over what they have I don't even think that's a controversial thing to say, but it is important to note that there are people in that organization who see Carr as a viable alternative to Aaron Rodgers, someone that they can win with. And I think it is completely, completely reasonable for them to believe a minor upgrade in talent and they're a playoff team, a middling upgrade in talent, and they are right in the mix in the AFC East to win that division and a significant upgrade in talent, which Aaron Rodgers would be. And I think 
to you know a lesser degree, but but also you know still a major upgrade over what they had because Zach Wilson was that bad. Derek Carr puts them in the conference conversation. They are a legit contender with Aaron Rodgers. Now, the the specter over all this is what happens with Lamar Jackson. I think more teams get involved with Lamar Jackson. That is a different conversation. Like Atlanta can talk itself into trading multiple first round picks for Lamar Jackson because you're going to give him the contract. He's going to be part of your organization now for the next five years. And this is a long term play. There's a much smaller group of teams willing to get involved with Aaron Rodgers. It seems like the Colts. They want to go young. My understanding, based on some conversations over the last couple of days, Carolina would like to go young. We don't really know what Tampa Bay wants to do. Could they just say, hey, it worked with Tom Brady. Like, let's try and bring in Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. It seems like there's two teams for Rodgers. The Raiders and the Jets. Well, one of those teams not in the Derek Carr market. So if you're the Raiders... You you should be putting on the full court press if you want him behind the scenes. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. And I, you know, we just got the word yesterday that that Brock Purdy still having significant swelling from this UCL issue. Their hope is that he's gonna be back for the regular season, but a six-month recovery from late February surgery would put him back on the field in late August. Like the season starts in early September. Is he even going to be ready to start the season? Are they comfortable with Trey Lance? Could the 49ers put on a late full court press for Aaron Rodgers? Would the Packers entertain that? Probably not. This There's still so much to be decided in here. And Rodgers is the domino. He is the first domino. Because then it's Derek Carr. Then it's Jimmy G. The commanders are saying all the right things about Sam Howell being the starting quarterback, but someone is going to is going to sign Jimmy G. I think it's going to be the commanders. Now, is that is he the one you want to be running Eric Bieniemy's offense? I, I don't know. That's a that's a cool thing that that the commanders did. It's a far less cool thing that the Chiefs. Um, not it's not a Chiefs problem. It's a league problem that no one thought. Hey, let Eric Bieniemy get a shot at head coaching. Nick Wright on on FS1 put together a pretty damning indictment of the league that basically any offensive coordinator that is in the Super Bowl gets a head coaching job in the last five years. And the exception is Eric Bieniemy. There, that that Commanders team. I don't know. Are they going to be? Are they going to be in on Aaron Rodgers? They're saying Sam Howell. Are they going to be in on Aaron Rodgers? I doubt it. So that really leaves two teams. That leaves the Jets. Now, but, 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 but. The Jets have publicly, essentially, now that this is being, I mean, this is, if it's being reported, it is, you know, I don't, I don't think Diana twisted anyone's arm. They want Aaron Rodgers. They're making it clear right now. Yes, we love Derek Carr. Again, I don't think this is posturing. This is not, oh, they have to say this. No, no. They would be happy with Derek Carr. They want Aaron Rodgers. And and they are, as of now, the only team that is making a very public show of affection for Aaron Rodgers. That is, in my humble opinion, the smart way to woo Aaron Rodgers. Be big. 
Let him know for sure. Hey, buddy, we want you. We want you to feel appreciated. I know you haven't been feeling appreciated. I know that, that you know, your girl doesn't appreciate you the way that I could. So let me just, let me just, like, that's what they're doing. And that's the right thing. That's the right way to handle Aaron Rodgers. Now, how does Derek Carr feel about that? I don't know that Derek Carr has really much standing on a type of way to feel about that. I think the Saints are still very much in play for Derek Carr. I, I think this is what you do when you're the, the Jets and you're trying to say all the right things to, to have your cake and eat it too. Because they want one of Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. It's like you, there's two girls you want to ask to homecoming and you're not sure the first girl is going to say yes. You're pretty sure the second girl would say yes, but you don't want to ask her yet. Like that's that's a dick move. No doubt about it. Don't do that. But it is a position that the Jets find themselves in because they are a desirable location. And so I continue to believe that if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers decide um, that, that he's going to be traded, it's the Raiders or the Jets. I've gone back and forth on which team I think is going to do it. In a lot of ways, I continue to believe that it's going to be the Raiders. If for no other reason, then it seems like these things, when when one team is so publicly doing this, it is either a front or it is just not ends up, what ends up happening. Like it is the quieter team that ends up with the superstar. But it's making me it's making me rethink being so kind. I had a lot of people ask me at the Super Bowl, where do you think he's going to go? I said the Raiders. Well, we're what, a week and a half later, and now I'm like kind of leaning back toward the Jets. I still don't think it's in Green Bay. I continue to believe it will not be in Green Bay. We're going to talk about that Green Bay offseason in just a second with Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. Before we get there, today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if you win. So put in a bet. Same game parlay. Maybe get some really nice odds on it. Put that bet in. And if you don't hit it, bonus bets right there. Bang. You, you can go and make some more bets. With those bonus bets. Usually when the way a sports book works is you you put money in and if you're wrong, you they take it. And if you're right, they they give you the money. They're gonna give you bonus bets, even if you're wrong, because you're joining FanDuel and because you listen to Locked On Packers. So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NBA. Joining me now from Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson. And, and Sam, there's plenty to talk about when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. That has been true for a number of years now. Um, PFF put out a list of um, top free agents and, and destinations, costs. And I think a lot of people were struck by the amount of money that someone like Alan Lazard, for example, is expected to command on the open market. As you look at this team, though, it all starts with the quarterback. So if if Brian Gutekinds called you and said, hey, I need your help, how would you advise him to, to change his approach depending on who the quarterback of this team is? 
I don't think it really does change much, to be honest, depending on who the quarterback is. Obviously, the resources that they have change a little bit depending on who the quarterback is. But the bottom line is, whoever it is, whether it's Rodgers or Love, they need as much support around them as humanly possible. Like we saw last season, what happens if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have an ideal supporting cast or a a great set of receivers around him anymore? Simply, you take Devontae Adams off the team. He needs that now, and uh, whether he always did is is a debatable point. But now it's it's not a question. Like Rogers to be the best version of himself for this team to go where it needs to go, they need to make sure that he has some high end weapons to play with. Uh, if for no other reason than you know, you look at the the other true contenders in the NFL right now, those guys either have that or they have Patrick Mahomes. You know, right. and. and <laughs> That's what you're dealing with. So if you want to go and take a Super Bowl away from Patrick Mahomes or the even just the NFC contenders, you're going to have to bring something like that to, to the table because Rodgers on his own isn't going to get that done. And then if if Jordan Love is the quarterback, it's the same story for a different reason. Like you need to make sure that a young quarterback has as many um, additions or as many weapons to help him out as possible. As you look at the the grades for Aaron Rodgers, um, even in years where he has not statistically been as great, he has tended to grade out pretty well for PFF. Where where is the discrepancy? Do you think between the the grades that he's getting and the and the productivity he's getting? Is it is it strictly supporting cast? Do you think? I think that's a part of it. I mean, you look at this most recent season, it almost exactly mirrors the last time he didn't have, you know, a true number one wide receiver when Jordy Nelson went down and they didn't really have time or or the available resources to go and get a different number one receiver. They just had to kind of bumble through that season with what was left <laughs> on the roster. And Rogers had a PFF grade in the mid 70s somewhere, right? And the seasons either side of that were 90. It was elite Rodgers, very not elite Rodgers, and then elite Rodgers either side of it. And that's really been the story of his career is that he's almost always had at least one legitimate high-end elite wide receiver, whether he ran through kind of Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. He's had at least one guy to hang his hat on. And even in the last couple of years, the argument was as good as Devontae Adams is, and he might be the best receiver in the NFL, it's not enough. You need somebody else. You need at least one other target in today's NFL, and they weren't really giving him that guy. And then if you take away the one guy that was a superstar, well, now you just don't have a receiving core. And that is exactly what happened to the Packers this last season. They they thought Sammy Watkins was going to give them more than he ended up giving them. I, I, Rogers talked up Alan Lazard, and and I think we saw the ceiling of of Alan Lazard. He was still really efficient last season, but you can't build an offense around him. Um, I, I will I will say for myself, I have evolved over the last few years looking at receiver value, and I think a lot of the stuff that PFF has been doing um, with their data studies has pushed my forward my my thinking forward on this that receivers are more valuable than maybe we previously thought. And I wonder how you see that maybe changing the way that we view this position moving forward in terms of, you know, the the premium positions that we have, whether it's draft, free agency, trades, all those things. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's not a, a static landscape. You know, what was once true 10 years ago is not true anymore. You know, the, the right. game is changing and we sort of tend to think of these things as constants and they're not. They're, they're It's a moving landscape and you need to kind of figure out where it's going. 
And maybe there was a time when you could get by with one elite wide receiver and that was good enough for a good offense. We're just seeing across the league now that it's it's no longer true if it ever was. All of the teams that have one superstar guy and nothing else are they hit a ceiling. Now maybe it's enough to take you quite far, but when you you when people sort of say, why are why is Buffalo not quite as good as they were? It's like, well, they haven't found somebody extra on top of Stefan Diggs. Gabriel Davis right. didn't step into that role. And what's the cap on Dallas? Well, CD Lamb is their offense. And if CD Lamb isn't firing or you know, nobody else steps up, it's all it's too concentrated on one guy. So we're sort of seeing across the league all these offenses that only have one real threat being capped in how good they can be. Um, whereas teams generally that are able to spread the ball around that are able to rely on multiple targets are better on offense or at least don't seem to have that cap or much more difficult to slow down and to stop the only real i think um exception to that is the the kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes and travis kelsey who kelsey really is their number one guy but i guess the difference is it does seem to be impossible to stop him like (laughs) you might be able to take away what they've drawn up you might be able to take away the initial play but the ability that kelsey and mahomes have to ad lib during the play i think makes them pretty much unstoppable it's impossible to kind of zero in on him the same way it is for other traditional number one targets in the nfl and and for a little while that was that was seemed to be true of aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams it was just in the playoffs especially in that 49ers game in 2021, the 49ers did. And we're really the only team in the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers era that was able to successfully do it. Let's say you're, you're guiding Aaron Rodgers. You're his spirit guide in the darkness. Um, what are, what are you telling him to do? What do you think is the best football situation for him in 2023? I think the best football situation for pretty much any quarterback that's, that's looking for a new home is the jets. Um, I, that's a that's a playoff team. It should have been a playoff team this year. They weren't yeah. because of their quarterback situation. It's a playoff team next year with any kind of upgrade a quarterback with a guy as good as Aaron Rodgers can be. It's potentially a true contending team. The only downside they bring is you're in a really tough division. You know that they've got to take the division away from Buffalo. They've got to uh, survive Miami and the the upgrades that they're continuing to make this offseason. Um, you assume the Patriots won't be as bad as they were a year ago and they never suck. So that's a difficult division to get out of and to do anything in. But on paper, the Jets have a a team capable of making some real noise with a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers. And I think they have enough in the areas that he needs directly to, to assist him. Like the offensive line should be much better than it was this year because of everybody getting back healthy and an off season to address a couple of weak spots there. They have, I think enough when it comes to wide receiver help that he could make some noise. So yeah, to me, the jets is the best situation available for any quarterback. As you look at the Packers list of, of potential free agents to be, are there, is there anyone that you go, they they have to bring this guy back because I'm I'm looking at it and kind of going I don't know I feel like they can probably get a facsimile of most of this stuff in either the draft or late stage free agency. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, I think they've done a reasonable job of future proofing a couple of spots. You know, there are guys you would assume Devonte Wyatt steps into a bigger role next year, and you would hope, um, right? And I don't I don't know that it's necessarily sort of fair to label him as a disappointment in even in his first year. 
he just didn't really get much of a chance to play. And it's a position where sometimes it takes a little bit of time to transition, but yeah. next year would be the year they actually need him to step into that bigger role and do a job because of the departures they have on the defensive line. But you're right, outside of that, I, I think you'd be kind of happy enough with the players that are walking away. Maybe Lazard is a guy you would want to keep around, but if the market is going to get crazy because wide receiver is such a um, kind of problem spot, just the, the lack of supply of them this season, then you know maybe there's just a number that you're not you're not going to go beyond, and and he should absolutely seek a better deal if he can find one. Wyatt was one of those funny players, and I mentioned this on the show seemingly every week that especially especially middle and then late in the season it was like every week there are a couple of guys who who cover the packers that would tweet out the the pff grades and it would be like okay top five players on offense top five players on defense and why it was always on the list of top five players on defense but then you look at the snaps and it's like yeah he played 10 snaps or he played right. 12 snaps and so I, i'm wondering from from sort of a data management standpoint how you guys uh look at that and, and have you done um studies on okay if you're really good in a small sample size, how does that project forward? Because in, in something like basketball, we've seen if you're efficient in 10 or 15 minutes, generally speaking, in 2025, you stay pretty efficient. Is that is that true with, with, with snaps in the NFL? Well, it is to an extent, but the problem is um, it doesn't necessarily translate sort of 10 snaps plus 10 snaps plus 10 snaps, like the individual games, once you stack them all up and you're talking about like 200 snaps over the course of the year, being quite good in 10 snaps most weeks doesn't necessarily translate to being really good over 200 snaps when you add it all up. Like he's, it's such a small sample size that we're basically right. talking like he would make one play in 10, 10 snaps, which for a defensive right. lineman actually isn't, isn't a bad return is a pretty good performance. But when you start stacking that all up and you end up with 200 snaps and he's made 10 plays, you know, all of a sudden it's not quite as impressive. And <laughs> you start to sort of look at it and say, all right, at that stage, when you're into that kind of playing time, you need a little bit more consistent production and, and more of an impact. Um, I think for him, it's really just a placeholder season. Like, we don't know what Devontae White is going to bring to the table yet. I, you would, anybody that liked his college tape coming out, and I was definitely one of them, would be, I guess, disappointed based off his return in year one. But a big part of that was playing time. Like, he was only ever in as a rotational guy, he barely got to feature. A lot of the snaps he was on the field uh, for were not even kind of, you know, real honest, you have an actual chance to make a play here type of snaps. Like if right. somebody runs a screen, it's basically a snap wasted for you that you didn't really have a chance to impact the play on. So, um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a world where PFF grades where a guy's outstanding and a small sample size can definitely project forward and show something. Now, there are times where it doesn't happen. Um Last season, Jonathan Grenard for the Houston Texans had an insane pass rushing grade off a pretty small sample size, and they gave him a bigger role this year, gave him an opportunity to it, and it, it didn't happen at all. Um, but you go back, you know, way back into the day, and Cameron Wake had like the most ridiculous pass rushing grade on like 250 snaps over the course of the season to the point where we were saying they need to bench Joey Porter Sr. because. <laughs> yeah. Like he may be getting sacks, but he's not getting anything like the pressure rate that the guy behind him is getting. If they give this guy Cameron Wake some more snaps, like he might really end up doing something special for them. And obviously he ended up becoming like arguably the best edge rusher of his generation or certainly one of the top two or three.
Yeah, I think that's that's one of those that tricky things. And, and I think we saw it a little bit with Rashawn Gary, too. I mean, early in his career, he, he started to put things together. He was getting 10, 15 snaps, and then all of a sudden he got that bigger role and he, he turned into a monster. He also got better. And that's one of those tough things that I think is is tricky as we try and project these players. It's not always linear, right? In in the way that that guys right. get better and sometimes they get they look good as rookies. And we saw this with Eric Stokes. He took a big step back as a sophomore. That doesn't mean he won't be good in year three. He might get worse. We don't like this is this is all kind of difficult to project as we as we look forward here for the Packers into the offseason. If you're trying to identify, you know, mock drafts and, and free agent, they're not going to have a lot of free agent money. But where are the positions where you're going? OK, these are the, the two or three spots where they could really stand to upgrade this roster. Yeah, I think when you look at them top to bottom, it is still a pretty good roster. I mean, obviously, wide receiver, I think, is an area where they could use um, just an influx somewhere. I, I like the potential of Christian Watson, obviously what he showed. I think there's probably still some some kernel of truth to the hype with Romeo Dobbs. Like, I think he can become a player down the line for them. It they was still love him for what it's worth. Yeah. I think it was probably just everybody kind of lost the run of themselves a little bit because the need for a wide receiver was so desperate. And it's like, well, it's going to be Dobbs, right? He'll be the number one guy. And then all the right. problems are solved. And that was probably always a little bit ambitious. But I think the combination of Aaron Rodgers was a big part of that, too, because he was gassing Romeo Dobbs as much as anybody. Yeah. And, and I'm sure a big part of it was like, I mean, he needs to. <laughs> it's like, right. there's no other alternative here. Like if somebody right. doesn't cool. step up, I have nothing. Time. Yeah. So let's try and like, let's almost speak it into existence. Let's manifest this by hyping the guy up. But I, I think there's a world where both Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs become like a, a pretty important and useful part of this offense. I think you still probably need the third guy somewhere um, to, to step in and, and really be a player that they can work with. It's not a good group of free agent wide receivers at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, um, Jacoby Myers, I think is probably the best wide receiver available, period. Um, assuming you're not dipping into trades, which is absolutely possible. Um, but it's always a good year for drafting wide receivers. Like the draft has been extremely strong now for multiple seasons at wide receiver. I think it's going to be another year with a lot of good wide receivers. So I, I think if they draft another guy and potentially plug him right in, all of a sudden you have this really young receiver core that could be good for a, a few years going forward. Um, and then tight end is obviously a position where yeah, they need to add something. Do you have a favorite of this draft class? I know it's pretty early. We haven't even had the com- the combine yet, but it seemed like it was Michael Mayer first. Now Dalton Kincaid is getting some run. Luke Musgrave. Like there's a there's guys that people really, really like. Do you have a favorite? I think Mayer is the best tight end in this draft. Like he's the most complete guy. He's the cleanest prospect. He's the guy I think that's going to be best in the most areas and probably quicker. Kincaid, though, is definitely um somebody that i think you should absolutely be interested in like i he may be a better receiving option as a tight end i don't know if he'll be the complete player that mayor is but in today's nfl that's less important than it's it's ever been before you know you don't necessarily need a guy who can be even much of a blocker at all if he's a a legit receiving weapon so i think those two guys are both first round talents um and would absolutely be a, a kind of reason to go after them could be could be people the Packers are interested in um, and and are, are going to be a popular uh, mock draft target for sure. Sam, I appreciate the time. No problem. All right, thanks to Sam for joining the show. Um, the the difference between his grade and and the productivity thing is an interesting question. Um, 
there was a, a chart that I that I tweeted out the other day about the wins above replacement and Aaron Rodgers like bottom five among starting quarterbacks in those metrics. I I kind of don't think that the PFF grades are right. I think he played better than the stats indicated at times, and I think he played worse than the stats indicated at times because of the run after catchability of someone like Christian Watson because of um, what the offense was able to, to produce for him. Now, he still made a lot of big-time throws, and I still think he can play at a high level. I still think he can be good for a team. I still think he could be good in Green Bay. Um, but I think it is time for Jordan Love. I've made that abundantly clear. And you know who else has Tyler Dunn? He wrote about Jordan Love. Um, he's going to be on the show later this week talking about that piece, talked to his personal QB coach, Steve Calhoun, who I have talked to um, for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, um, and, and players, and, and has some great perspective on what Jordan Love can be for Green Bay. Ty has been on this since the beginning. He thinks, he was on my show three years ago saying, this is an inspired choice to bring in Jordan Love and, and give yourself the chance to have the next great guy. Even if he's not, you're giving yourself that opportunity. And, and that is a smart gamble. I'm with him. So we'll see what he has to say. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Anytime you want to come hang out with us live, whenever Aaron Rodgers makes his decision, whenever he emerges from the darkness and we get something, we will be live on YouTube so you can stay locked on Packers.